This podcast is supported by Federated Hermes Limited. Since 1983, we have been focused on delivering sustainable wealth creation, aiming to enrich investors, society, and the environment over the long term. Federated Hermes Limited, a global leader in active, responsible investment. Professional investors only, capital at risk. Hi, welcome to Sustainable Views, the podcast. I'm Silvia Pavoni, your host. We released our last show as COP27, the UN Climate Conference, was about to kick off. And we're sharing this now, this new episode, as COP is about to wrap up. In what seems to be a tradition, it looks like negotiations this year taking place in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt will go into overtime. There is a lot to discuss. How to implement the commitments made a year ago, how to support the decarbonization of low-income countries, how to compensate them for the damage they are suffering because of climate change, when they played almost no part in causing it. As the need for practical, fast solutions become clearer, there are some who think that those solutions cannot materialize without the direct input of local administrations. In fact, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, says that this will be the last COP where cities are not around the table and you'll hear from him in this episode. So let's hear what he said exactly and why. Khan spoke to Philippa Nato, one of our correspondents, a few weeks before the UN Climate Conference started. He was on the other side of the world, actually, at uh, the meeting of the C40 cities in Buenos Aires, Argentina. C40 brings together nearly 100 cities around the world to find climate solutions. Khan has been sharing it since 2021. So Philippa has also written a very interesting piece looking at why cities are struggling to go carbon neutral. I'll put the link to her article in the show notes. So this is the part of Philippa's interview with Khan where he talks about COP and about where climate financing should flow. Firstly, what really needs to happen is, you know, COP27, the national governments are going to give far more money to uh, Global South in relation to the $100 billion promised a number of COPs ago. Secondly, in relation to loss and uh, damage. We can't, we can't wait for the national governments, the COP cavalry to arrive. We're getting on with doing stuff uh, ourselves. So in relation to cities, it's the cities and mayors that come up with the ideas then we help unlock the funding. Uh, you know, I've got some examples of some of the ideas. It could be um, a city that wants to, uh, you know, build a cable car, Freetown. It's got a cable car project, which is environmentally friendly. It will help them in relation to, uh, 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 you know, um, create jobs, uh, help tourism, really, really important. Uh, Mumbai has got a project to uh, uh, have uh, bus depots that are electric to power the electric buses, but they need uh, the infrastructure in relation to uh, energy infrastructure for 27 uh, bus depots, really, really important. Accra, a big source of methane gas emissions is uh, uh, their waste. So supporting them in relation to a municipal uh, solid uh, waste source separation and community compost project is, is a good example. And there are other examples here. The key thing is not it's not C40 dictating to, you know, mayors, what are the projects? It's the mayors who know the cities the best coming up with ideas. The key thing about the ideas is They've got to be ideas that, you know, obviously are green, um, uh, that are sustainable, that help tackle climate emergency. And different mayors will have different uh, solutions in relation to adaptation, in relation to resilience. It could be greening, um, you know, Cape Town, for example, we're supporting them in relation to a solar farm. Uh, we're helping support Cape Town in relation to net zero carbon um, buildings. 
Uh, same goes for other cities in the global south. The key thing is uh, we will help them, you know, unlock the monies that they need and that otherwise aren't getting from the national governments or from the UN through COP. So the conference of the parties system doesn't work. Uh, you know, if you look at the all those countries that signed the Paris Accord in 2015, I think only one country is on course to meet uh, the promises made in Paris. Uh, you compare and contrast C40 cities, uh, more than two thirds of C40 cities, more than two thirds are on course to meet the Paris uh, uh, Climate Accord. And bear in mind, we are responsible cities for more than 70% of emissions. Uh, cities have got to play a bigger role. Now, Antonio Guterres, I met with him last year at COP in Glasgow, was, he understood the importance of cities and uh, uh, Antonio Guterres sent us a, 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 you know, a video message for the C40 World Summit saying how much he supports what we are doing. I think the role of non-state actors has got to be amplified at uh, COPs. I think Shabal Sheikh has got to be the last COP where cities aren't around the table. Cities and mayors have to be around the table, uh, but also I think national governments have got to recognise uh, that we are their allies, not their adversaries, because we know from the response we've received from our citizens that, that citizens now see us as the doers, doing stuff, and national governments as the delayers. Khan mentions Antonio Guterres there, the Secretary General of the United Nations. So cities are the doers and national governments are the delayers. After the interview, I chatted to Philippe about what Khan himself has actually done for London since he became mayor in 2016. So I think the, the big thing he, he's done for London, and perhaps just to say I don't live in London, so this is a repetition rather than necessary learnt experience, but um, I think bringing in the, the ultra-low emission zone and, and marrying the, the, the need to, to tackle um, air pollution with climate action. He's been very vocal about the fact that he was diagnosed with adult um, asthma and that that was probably through because of exposure to air pollution. Um, he was very um, keen last year to, to say how big the, the ultra low emission zone is now and how it's brought down um, air pollution levels. Um, he's also very keen in terms of transport to, to, to talk about the amount of electrification. So I think about a third of taxis in, in London now are electric. Um, the, London's got one of the biggest um, electric bus fleets um, in the Western world. It's also got a fair number of um, EV charging points. Um, so I think those are all things that have, have moved in the right direction. I mean, there has been some controversy around his plans. There's the Silver Town Tunnel, which is under construction at the moment, um, which Sadiq Khan defends and says will reduce emissions. But there is a, a big campaign, including within parts of the Labour Party, to say that actually, you know, it will. It's a it's a massive budget and it's two point five billion pounds, and also um, that it will increase the number of car journeys. So everything he's done is not necessarily. Um, been received with, with, with full approval of everybody. But I think in terms of, of air pollution, he has definitely made that his mandate to, to reduce emissions. In her article on sustainable cities, Philippa also talked to Greg Clark, who is uh, the chair of uh, the Cities Commission for Climate Investment, 3CI. This is a UK government-backed initiative that connects local authorities across the country. Just like Anne, Clark touches on cities' power or lack of. He says that more power should be given to them from national governments. UK cities are, and I quote, among the least empowered in the developed world, says Clark. They have low levels of control over infrastructure, over transport, over utility providers, all areas with high levels of carbon emissions. 
He says, and I quote again, the unique combination of high levels of centralization, high levels of privatization and weak regulation make it more difficult for UK cities and local authorities to act on carbon emissions. UK cities have a low share of control over public finance, their ability to raise revenues is constrained and their powers of borrowing or entering into joint ventures and investment partnerships are controlled by national governments. So let's back this up with some data. According to the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, UK cities typically control around 7% of all taxes raised within them. The average for OECD countries is close to 25%. While in Germany, this is close to 35%. And it is as high as 50% in some North American cities. For UK mayors, things must be frustrating. I asked Philippa what she made of the comments about COP, uh, whether this could actually be the right forum to empower cities and regional administrations. I think it's really difficult. I mean, if you look at the EU, for example, the, we have the, 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 the European Parliament, the European Council and the, European, the EU Committee of the Regions. The Committee of the Regions, which is made up of mayors from around Europe, has never managed to sort of impose itself in the same way that the Parliament um, or the Council has. It's more of an advisory body. Um, COP is a very um, fixed process and I find it very difficult to see how they would actually bring uh, mayors into that process. Having said that, um, on the 17th of November, the um, head of UN um, Habitat will hold a meeting with um, ministers, city ministers, um, urban ministers to try and discuss this issue and to see A, how they can work better together and B, what sort of manoeuvre, room for manoeuvre there is for them to be included more in the COP process. Um, but I see, I, I think, I find it very difficult to see how they would be included in the negotiations. At the same time, it makes sense in the sense that, I mean, Egypt has said this is the cup of, COP27 is the cup of implementation and climate action has to be implemented at a local level. If you want, you know, to renovate buildings, more public transport, more, more cycle lanes, that is all um, has to be implemented at a local level, either through the national or, or local budget. So it would definitely make sense to have more in, input from um, local actors like mayors. In the interview, Khan also talked about two agreements that would help mobilize $1.5 billion for cities in the Global South. Now, I have to admit, I don't particularly like using this term. Um, it isn't necessarily correct from a geographical point of view, but that's what Khan used, Global South, and it is what many use too. Essentially, greater focus and financing should go to cities in poorer countries as opposed to London or Copenhagen or Los Angeles. By the way, in the recording, when you'll hear Khan say yesterday, he's referring to October 20th, right in the middle of the C40 meeting. When I became chair this time last year, I was quite clear that our priorities have got to be the global south. Uh, we represent almost 100 cities across the globe, more than 700 million people, more than uh, almost half of the world's GDP we uh, help um, uh, grow. But the problem is we're responsible as cities for 70% of carbon emissions. And those in the global south, least responsible for climate change, suffer the worst consequences. So I agreed last year that at least two thirds of our budget must go to global south cities. And monies we get in, uh, you know, through leveraging in public uh, money from development banks or uh, from the private sector, uh, we, would, we would make sure we prioritise the global south. So there's been two big announcements already at this uh, summit. Uh, the biggest gathering of mayors ever, by the way. Yesterday, uh, we announced 
that the C40 cities, 97 of us, over the next seven years, by 2030, would uh, create uh, 50 million good green jobs across C40 cities. So those are jobs in retrofit, in, in insulation, making electric vehicles, uh, renewables, and so forth. So 50 million good green jobs going forward, which, forward, which is really important. Why? Because in, there are some parts of the world where people work in fossil fuel industries or old-fashioned manufacturing, and they're worried about losing their jobs. So we need to give them a path, uh, what, what's called just transition, uh, to uh, you know good jobs, and those are the good green jobs we're gonna help create over the next uh, eight years. So 50 million good green jobs at 2030. And the second big announcement uh, today is C40. We're gonna use our expertise, which is you know world leading, to leverage in uh, uh, monies in excess of $1.5 billion over the next uh, uh, couple of years to support uh, global South cities. Uh, and what we've realized is you've got cities and mayors with great ideas. You've separately got uh, potential sources of money. They could be development banks, they could be uh, other banks, they could be uh, pension uh, uh, institutions, they could be private sector but the cities haven't done the work required to give confidence to the financial institutions to loan them the money, to spend uh, the money. And our technical assistance can unlock, uh, we think, a huge amount of uh, money. So the two big announcements today is the city's finance facility. That will unlock, we think, in excess of a billion dollars. And the International Finance Corporation we think that could unlock $500 million. And the key thing, though, is we've got to prioritise the global south. It can't just be about the London, Parises, Barcelona, Madrid, LA getting the support. It's got to be the global south getting the support. And here is Philippa again. What's most interesting about his comments is the need, um, especially in developing countries, to make sure that the the finance is there so that they can uh, decarbonise and it's not just the richer nations that can, can afford to do this. But I think it's also clear from speaking to him previously, I interviewed him at COP26 as well, is that similar challenges are also facing richer nations, especially post-COVID, whereby lots of local authorities, lots of cities and, and regions just don't have the money anymore to even deal with the day-to-day -day running of the cities, regions, um, and then they've also got the climate challenge that comes on the top of that. So it makes sense. The majority of the world lives in cities. Cities account for over two-thirds of global emissions. It makes sense they should be granted more power and financing. But what do you think? Let us know. And let us know if you think cities should sit at the COP table too. That's it for today's show. Thanks to Philippa for joining me. And of course, thanks to Sadiq Khan for talking to Sustainable Views. As always, Sustainable Views, the podcast is produced by John Rogers. Thank you, John. And uh, we'll find each other again in two weeks. podcast is supported by Federated Hermes Limited, a global leader in active, responsible investment. We follow three pathways, active ESG, sustainability and impact. Three routes to one destination, sustainable wealth creation.
Capital at risk, professional investors only.